Welcome to episode 86 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, is Ian Sharpley. Hello. And missing tonight is our little depressed Matt Cassell. Oh, poor Matt. Over the Christmas season, he came down with the flu and died. So Just sad. Kidding. Just kidding. He's alive, but he is sick. He couldn't make it today for our 2014 year in review episode. So it's the two-man booth. Paul and Ian getting sauce, holding down the fort. Just like in the comics that you read all the time, every week. <laughs> well, I think that's a good segue into housekeeping. If you follow the adventures on McSauce.com, getting sauce, braving against the world, comic books, pop culture, that's what this episode's going to be like. Just a two-man kind of deal here. On the site, you can find the reviews for Paul and myself. We're going to be light on the condescension today. We're going to try. We're going to try. Well, we have a big part of uh, the condescension machine the, the biggest cog is, has left the machine, so we're going to be flying real streamlined today. Web comics on McSauce.com featuring a little depressed Matt is on there sometimes, from time to time. Uh, the podcast, as you all know and love, is also available on McSauce.com. You can go to the Facebook page and send us a like to help us... Help us broaden the horizons of Facebook Nation with McSauce.com. We currently are running at 202 total likes Ooh. for the season. And we, we reached our goal. We are looking to the new year to expand to more people. But thank you again for helping us get to this goal on uh, the Facebook page. Last update I had was 200 likes. Two more added two on more. top of that. Slowly but surely, making it happen. You can go to the iTunes store. The easiest way to listen to the show is to go to the iTunes store and subscribe to the podcast. It'll automatically download each and every episode to your mobile device or your computer. You can also stream it on Stitcher. They have the latest episodes. I think it, it runs the last five episodes on Stitcher, and you can stream it that way. You can go to our home base at Podomatic.com. You can download or stream there. And if you want the classic McSauce episodes, you can find them at McSaucePodcast at Libsyn.com. L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. That's where you'll find the first, I believe at this point, it's the first 20 or so episodes. And uh, check all those out. See how the humble beginnings became the massive 201, 202. Don't shortchange us. I know. I, I can't leave any fans behind. 202 Facebook-like pound gorilla that we are right now. <laughs> So, yeah, just me and you today, Paul. Gonna do a little bit of the, the year in review. 2014, find out the things that we liked, things that we loathed, things that we did, all the fun <clears throat> stuff that happened in 2014. Well, I'd like, I'd like to mention something current, as current as the minute up to right now. Uh-oh. Um, why is that so Raven trending on Twitter? I don't know. Really? I yeah, don't know. Someone, someone must be having a uh, a marathon, because in the, in my uh, in my trends with window, see that's so Raven. I'm like, what? Now I love 
uh, fuck, what's her name? Raven Simone. Raven Simone. I love Raven Simone. Just Not enough to know her name. The next juice lover <laughs> loves Raven Simone. But you know what Raven Simone doesn't like? Penis. Correct, sir. Correct. Yeah, um, and it's 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 somewhat heartening to go to the That's So Raven trend and see other people saying, why is That So Raven trending? This is why. Two days ago, they announced that Lizzie McGuire, the Hillary Duff vehicle, oh, as, well, as well as That So Raven are coming back. So that's why that is trending really? right now. That's, that's what it says here on the old internet. Were you a big Hillary Duff fan? I was not a big Hillary Duff fan. What was her show called? Lizzie McGuire. Oh, yeah, I had seen I had seen probably more Lizzie McGuire than I should have if we're being honest. <laughs> but I saw a lot of That's So Raven. Like, did you? I got sucked into That's So Raven. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't say that I did that. I, I was more of a Even Stevens kind of guy. Yeah, I liked I liked Even Stevens, and that's that's when. Shia LaBeouf's star shone brightly. True. It was at its, its brightest, and you were like, this guy has so much potential. He's going to kill it. And then he lost his mind. Well, I mean, he was good in the first Transformers movie. He really was. And what's the one about spying on your neighbor, Disturbia? Oh, Disturbia. But he was good in that, too. Well, totally I, related I think to he's, that. Well, he was good in... Um, Holes? There's kind of a Prohibition movie that he's in. That he I was don't really know good in. He's head. good in holes. Yeah. He's good in Crystal Skull. What the hell happened to him? Like, why did he go insane? Do we know or? Absolute fame corrupts famously. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <You did. laughs> Is that what Uncle Ben told him on his deathbed? Uh, I guess so. But I saw him recently on on Kimmel, and they were talking. And Kimmel was like, "Well, you know, you've had a." You've had a rough a rough go this year. Rough right. go this 2014. Yeah. Then you did the, you know, like the the art thing where people could come and tell tell you what they thought of you right to your face and right. all that stuff. And he was like, yeah, you know, I was just going through some stuff. Wanted to try some try some different things, and I was just kind of doing whatever I wanted. But like he was real candid about it. Yeah, and, and that's he, cool. That's and a he good didn't sign. Seem crazy at all. Like he seemed like you know he was just. Going through some shit was just working, working his way through some shit, and you know one thing, you know one thing, some things lead to another, and then he he wound up where he did. But he's kind of on, on the comeback trail because he's in Fury, the yeah. Brad Pitt World War Two film. David Asia or no, David, David Asia is an artist. Is an artist, yeah. Uh, there's the, the the guy who directs. Fury is the director of the upcoming Suicide Squad movie. David Ayer? Ayer? Ayers. Ayers? David Ayers. Yeah. Yeah, David so, Ayer. Ayer. So, um, Shia LaBeouf on the comeback trail. He was also in that Nymphomaniac movie where you get to see his penis. So, oh, any, fans see of, any fans <laughs> of Shia LaBeouf's penis, get out there and see it. Uh, Shane from The Walking Dead is also in... Fury. Did you see Fury? I didn't. It's John Bernthal, that's his name. Yeah, it, I didn't see that. It seems like it would be something that's right up my, my history alley, but I just didn't have... I haven't seen a lot of movies this this fall. Uh, you missed season. a lot of movies. I haven't seen The fall. Hobbit. We were, we were yeah. talking before we started. You missed The Hobbit. You missed Into the Woods. You missed Mockingjay. And Hobbit and Mockingjay, that shit's been out for a long time. Yeah, like I might miss Mockingjay if I don't go to the theater next week to check right. it out. I'm, I'm a big Hunger Games fan. Um, so 
yeah, I, I, I mean to go see it, but I have to go with my lovely wife. So when she gets some time off, we'll be able to go and check it out. Um, so I'm looking forward to plowing through a couple of the couple of films that I, I've really been waiting a long time for. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting getting your first-hand opinion on at least The Hobbit and... I can tell you right now, 9 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Matt's not here. You can hammer The Hobbit as much as you want. Oh, jeez. I was so scared last last time we left the the Hobbit haters and all that. Man, Matt was really upset about that stuff, so... I don't know. I'll I'll have to see it for myself and see what I think about that, so... So that's the Raven, Lizzie McGuire, getting comebacks. Right. And we tied it all together, just bring it all <laughs> the way back. I don't know. It's, it's. I always hated Hillary Duff. Like, I didn't like her music. I hate her head. Like, I was not a big Bro, fan. Really? Yeah, I didn't yeah, think she was. thought she was hot? No, I liked her sister better than her. I think Haley, Haley Duff. Haley Duff. Yeah, yeah. she was cute. Yeah. But Hillary Duff, highly overrated. I have a couple of Hillary Duff singles on the old. They let the pop. rain fall down and all that crap. No, but that's, no? that's that's not a bad one. I have like an old school one. What does she? What else does she sing? That's the one I know. Let the rain fall down. Uh, I I can't even no. I can't even think about think of what it's called right now. But it's it's before that because really? that one I feel like that one was a legit. Was a legit. I thing. thought it was on the same album though. Like there was something else that came out, and I'm 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 running through all these pop singers in my head, but they're all Michelle Branch songs. Oh, how dare you! I know. How I dare know. you! I know that's your girl, but it's similar. Michelle Branch is legit. Michelle oh, Branch sings for this. So yesterday. So yesterday. That's Hillary Duff okay. Singer. So yesterday. It is. Is that all on the same album? It has to be. She can't have more than Is two. Come Clean the song you're thinking of? Maybe that's it. Yeah, Come Clean. Yeah, there are tracks one and two on the album Metamorphosis. Come Clean, written by Cara Diaguardi, who was on American Idol for a couple seasons. Right, right. Super sexy. Very sexy. Super sexy. Very talented, too. Talented and sexy. That's how we like them. So are you going to watch? You're, you're a big TV guy, probably the biggest TV guy I know. Records everything, watches everything. Are you going to tape Lizzie McGuire and That's So Raven when it comes back on? So they're coming back separately. Two separate shows, right? Yes, two separate shows in 2015. ABC Family, your favorite network. Oh, shit. Well, you know what? If it's on ABC Family and I'm already there for for network staples like Pretty Little Liars and The Fosters, then chances are I'm going to catch the That's So Raven reboot. But I'm I'm not that interested in... uh, even what the fuck is it called? I don't even know. What Lizzie McGuire. Lizzie, Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's weird that all this, all this '90s stuff is coming back now. Yeah. Because it's it's right out of our wheelhouse. Like we were, like we kind of left off at Full House and Family Matters, mm-hmm. and that's where we left things. But now stuff like That's So Raven and Lizzie McGuire is getting this new life, and I'm like shit. We are ancient. We're so old. It's it's not even funny. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't even think like this is not like I feel like Lizzie McGuire was like early two thousands or something like that. It's gonna really be a bummer whenever Hannah Montana comes back and Ooh. Miley Cyrus is the mom on that show. That's going to be a bummer. 
Well, have you heard anything about the Girl Meets World show? Like, is that doing well? I've heard a little. I, I know that it's out there. I know that people made a big deal whenever it came out. I haven't watched one episode of that. Lizzie McGuire's original run was 2001 to 2004. Yeah, that really makes us old that all that stuff's getting brought back Yeah, on. but it's only it's only a decade later. Like, doesn't, yeah. it, doesn't it seem soon? It seems too early for that. Yeah. Are they still trying to do the Full House reboot, or...? I haven't heard anything about the Full yeah. House reboot. I'm not into the Full House reboot unless they do it Modern Family style. Unless they change the format of the show, because I think right. Girl Meets World tried doing the same same format that Boy Meets World is, and it's on Disney Channel, yeah. so it's geared down... But I really think if you do Full House, mm -hmm. like Modern Family, gear it toward the adults. John Stamos, uh, Dave Collier, the other guy. Bob, Bob Saget. Saget. Big fan, right? <laughs> make it about those three guys. Make it about adult shit. Right. Then like that could be a really good show because those are still three very entertaining guys. Yeah, I, I I would rather see that, but you know 100% that they would feature the girls and their families. Well, you know... And I don't know how the twins entertaining. are entertaining that. No, they can't. I don't think that anybody even wants to see that, but... And that's fine, because like, I, I still think you can get away with focusing on the three guys. Maybe something happens to Rebecca. She dies. With, oh, the, how, with, how with the twins, how John Stamos is back on the prowl hunting pussy. <laughs> I don't know if we can have that show. Full House of Fornication on HBO. That's my pitch. That's my. Pitch. I like it. I like it. I'm in. Bob Saget can be Bob Saget. That's always the weird thing that they picked him to be the squeaky clean dad, but that's not what he does at all. His comedy is so fucking filthy. So, I don't know. I, I'd like that. HBO Showtime. Give us give us a little something. Pick it up. Full House of Fornication. Yeah. So, so that happened. <laughs> no, that happened this year. Uh, yeah, right at the end. And now we're going to travel all the way back to January to check out some things that happened back at the beginning of this year. Did that's you have high so, hopes for 2014? That's so long ago. Oh, I know. I know. I can, like like we said earlier, we can barely remember what we talked about on this show the week before. Oh, man. And you want me to go back to January? Yeah. Well, let's do uh, a total while we're looking up some stuff that happened in January. Did you have a good 2014? Did the things that you thought were going to happen happen for you? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. I, th I think you know we made we made some pretty good strides with the McSauce brand this year. I think and we that's, did. That's my goal. It's a bigger goal next year. I'm, mm -hmm. This coming year, I'm going to push push some more things. Yeah. Going to get our Philadelphia Comic Con registration all signed up next week. Sounds good. So um, yeah, I think everything was everything was pretty good this year. Uh, had read some good comics, some good books. Some great TV, some pretty good movies. Yeah, I think overall the movies that I went to see I was fairly happy with. I mean, you would start off at the beginning of the year, probably the first big film that we saw was Captain America 2, Winter Soldier. Was that before Amazing Spider-Man 2? It was. It was in, um, I believe, either February or March. March. It was a March film. 
uh, we had that. We had X Men: Days of Future Past. We had Spider Man. I forgot about X Men. Those were all. I mean, X Men was was a really good return to the the universe that we all love with Brian mm-hmm. Singer leading that cast, and it, it put a nice bow on the old cast that we love from the late two thousands, um, and moved it forward with some of the younger uh, people from the. Um, from that prequel X-Men movie. What the heck? First, First class. class. First class. And uh, I guess the next film is going to be sort of an Apocalypse. Uh, an 80s themed film. Something like that. That should so be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of into that. So I think that... But all the all the Lizzie McGuire fans are like, 80s? <laughs> what is that? That's ancient. <laughs> all the Lizzie McGuire fans that listen to this show... They're out there. One of those 202. <laughs> the 202. Come on. Isn't Dominic the Lizzie yeah, McGuire? He has right? to be, right? I think he has that right. that uh, Hillary Duff album. I don't think he listens to the show anymore, but our buddy Brian was a Lizzie McGuire fan. If not a Lizzie yeah. McGuire fan, Hillary Duff fan. Big Hillary Duff fan. Seems to be right in his wheelhouse. He's feel you. Uh, it's a boxy blonde. Mm-hmm. Boxy headed blonde ladies. So but, if, if we look at all the movies that came out this year, mm-hmm. I think over overall I'm at I'm at like 500. You know, half of them were half of them I really liked, half of them I didn't like so much. Yeah. What were some of your uh, your big hits? I just mentioned two that I really liked in Captain America and X Men were two of the two of the bigger ones that I, I enjoyed. I liked Cap. Mm-hmm. I liked X Men. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. That's probably the hit of the year, right? Guardians of the Galaxy? I'd think so, yeah. <clears throat> I was doing some shopping for Christmas, and I was at Target, and I was looking for just a regular DVD of Guardians, and, and they didn't they didn't have it in, but they had all the other Guardians stuff all over the place. I mean, if you would have told me that the big Christmas presents of the season would be guardians themed stuff i would have never guessed that i know that we gave somebody a group a dancing group plant potted plant figure i know my mom got not only did she get guardians but as uh, on on dvd but i got her some like somebody else got her some other guardians thing like yeah. a rocket raccoon you know doll or something like that so there were i mean it everybody it had mega crossover appeal Everybody really enjoyed that film. It's surprising that such a little-known comic property, you know, stole the show this year. I, th- I don't like. I, I guess it, it, it's surprising to a point, but I feel like leading up to it, everyone was saying this movie's gonna kill it. Yeah. This movie's gonna surprise everybody. So since everyone was saying that, was it really were a surprise? We surprised? Or were, were, were we like, oh yeah, fucking of course, Guardians is a yeah, good movie. I mean, like yeah, the trees and talking raccoons. Instant money makers. Yeah, coming out of coming out of 2014, Guardians was probably the biggest. I think something that that's pushing it would be Big Hero Six, but I didn't see it, so I, didn't I can't see really that speak about it. But do you have any interest in seeing Big Hero Six? If it's on ABC Family one of these days, I'm sure it will be. Disney property. Speaking of movies, I haven't seen in a long time that I have seen, and um, this is going to go off subject, but it's relevant to the season mm-hmm. for the first time in maybe at least 15 years I watched A Christmas Story from start to finish oh really 
I can't say that I've seen it from start to finish. And and I I don't remember the last time because you get the Christmas Eve Christmas Day you catch it from the middle part and then you leave and then you come back over Grandma's house and it's at the end and you watch the beginning <laughs> so yeah this this Christmas Eve I sat down and watched watched it from start to finish for the first time and over the last ten years or so I have been the biggest detractor of this movie just because I'm so fucking sick of it. I'm so fucking people... I'm sick of people sucking its dick. You know, right. it's so good. It's so fine. Oh, it's so perfect. Oh, it's mm-hmm. the best Christmas movie. Well, I'm tired of fucking seeing it. No Christmas movie needs to be on 24 seven. hours a day. Yeah. And I stand by that statement. But I sat down for the first time and from start to finish, it is a really good movie. And there's some some really funny shit in there. There's some really good, subtle, funny shit in there. Like, you know, there's the big, the big stuff... You know that that everyone loves, but a lot of the dialogue and the narration from Gene Shepard is just so good. Yeah. Like the the writing of the dialogue is is so good. So I'll probably be a little less hard on Christmas Story from here on out, but I will still be hard on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation because that movie is still dog shit. Have you seen that recently? I saw a good bit of it this past week. Yeah. And I still don't like it. You're I, on I still don't think it's funny. I don't fucking get it. It's you're on a Christmas movie dumb. marathon. <laughs> Did you watch Die Hard? Did you watch Gremlins? Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Neither is Gremlins. But they are because they're... Yeah, one they, is at a Christmas party yeah, they take, and yeah, one, yeah, yeah. the oh. opening theme of Gremlins is fucking Christmas. I understand the it's argument. It's during Christmas. Yeah, I know. I understand the argument for both of those movies being Christmas movies Air quotes oh, stop it! They're, they're, you they're, know, they're during no, 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 the season. No, 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 no. Yeah, they are. Uh-huh. They are during the season. But come on. You know those aren't Christmas movies. I can see why people say that about Die Hard. And I get it. And I'm sort of being funny whenever I say Die Hard. But Gremlins is a... people think they're fucking cool. Oh, my favorite Christmas movie's Die Hard. Gremlins you is know, a Christmas... You know, listen up, asshole. <laughs> In general, not you in particular. <laughs> Gremlins is a Christmas movie that's a horror movie at the same time. It is. I, Everything right. that happens in that movie is in the and fucking I will snow. Give, I will give Gremlins leniency over Die Hard. But right. people pick Die Hard as a Christmas movie because it's cool, yeah. because they're afraid to say Love Actually or Christmas Vacation or, or The Christmas Story. The, or A Christmas Story. Or Rudolph. Because people think Die Hard's fucking cool. Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. You people that say it is, you know it's not a Christmas movie. I know it takes place at a fucking Christmas party. It does, during Christmas. You know it's not a Christmas movie. Though. Is it, would it make it any different if it were, if it was in Pittsburgh and it was snowing and you could really tell, but just because it's in Los Angeles and there are palm trees and it's nice weather and you don't really feel like it's Christmas, does that change it? No, because I think it's so, it's such a hardcore action movie that that trumps any Christmasness about it. Right. I get it, and I feel that way about Gremlins too. I'm mean, like, but but Gremlins. I, I, weird disa- because I Gremlins disagree is, with that. Gremlins is Christmassy to a point, but then the Gremlins happen, and then it's a fucking horror movie. Right. <clears throat> right. It's a horror movie that happens at Christmas, and Gremlins still holds up. By the way. I haven't seen it in a long time. The new batch was on the other day. And I wanted to watch it, but I didn't get around to it. I, under- I, I, I will agree with some people that say maybe they like Gremlins too because 
it was a little more self-aware. Yeah, yeah. Gremlins 2 is not a good movie. Don't kid yourself. And I don't care if the core cast is back. Don't kid yourself. It's not as good as the first one. Would you be interested in a Gremlins 3 if it came back? No, but I would be Even interested you... in a Gremlins reboot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That would be But cool. I want to put much like the Full House reboot. Much like you want... Full House of Fornication. You want a Gremlins orgy on HBO. Uh, yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to just get to the horror roots, like because even the original Gremlins is kind of campy and kind of yeah, silly at times. I don't know. There are some scary parts. I mean, they fucking yeah. turn that one Gremlin up in a blender. Like they lopped that Gremlin's head off and threw it into the fireplace with the stockings hanging over it. Might I add? And there, and, and yeah, and that whole scene where they're attacking the mother in the house. Horrific. It's really fucking scary. Yeah. Uh, there's other scenes where all you see is the shadow of all, uh, or whenever they're coming through the the movie screen, and all you see are the shadows. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's some really scary visuals on that movie, but and then at the same time, they're at the bar. There's one with all the cigarettes in his mouth. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, and then there's all that really goofy, campy stuff. Yeah. Trim all of that campy fat away. Reboot Gremlins as mm -hmm. a horror movie. Yeah. Like, do it legit scary. People would be so into that. Movie studio execs that are listening to this right now. You want to sell some shit? You thought that Rocket Raccoon made a great holiday gift? <laughs> Gremlins. Get some Mogwais going. Some Gizmo motherfuckers. I think, I think Gremlins came out in 83. So we're looking at 21 years later... People are still saying, oh, Gizmo's so cute. Is Rocket Raccoon going to be cute in 23 years? Could be. When they reboot it. When they reboot it. With a real raccoon. <laughs> With <laughs> nanotechnology. When technology's gone to the point where we can control a real raccoon. <laughs> when the biggest star of TV and film is actually a raccoon. That would be amazing. Uh, let's see. 84 Gremlins came out. So, yeah, 20 years later, you know. Gizmo, it's about time. Still yeah. the cutest Mogwai ever. Mm -hmm. Holiday. You know, he wasn't wasn't Gizmo some, like, Tickle Me Elmo Christmas Eve bullshit toy at some That's point? That's it. Well, you know what? That's another thing. Gizmo in the film is a Christmas gift. Right? Right. Yeah, and Christmas I'm, all entwined into the DNA of the Gremlins. How can you argue this? <laughs> Here's a fucking Christmas because it because at some point that movie it, it it gets away from all the Christmas stuff and it turns into horror movie and the horror aspect right. becomes more prominent than the Christmas aspect. Die Hard, like right out of the gate, boom, action! Here we go, blow some shit up, right. Bruce Willis. Yeah. No shoes. Glass in his feet. Motherfucker. If he say that it's he, uh, uh, <laughs> yippee 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 motherfucker. motherfucker. See? Yeah. yeah, I would think you would know that. I, and I, I like Die Hard. Don't, yeah. don't misconstrue my hate for Die Hard being a Christmas movie and to me not liking Die Hard. Right, right. I like Die Hard. It's a great movie. I get your point. I'm Carl sure. Winslow, best cop in LA. And Chicago. Don't forget Real. Chicago. Really good movie. Love it. Come on. We all know it's not really a Christmas movie. Right. Are there any other Christmas movies that stand up to uh, the, te the, the the strains of time? I can't think of any any other film that I really, really enjoy that's a Christmas film at this point. 
Besides Bad Santa. I I like Fred Claus. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's corny. That one's it's not, the... It's not great. That one's the one where... Uh, <laughs> um, With Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn takes over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And Kevin Spacey's the bad guy trying yeah. to take over the North Pole. Okay. Yeah, it's it's no goofier than the Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. I've but seen three of those films. I've seen we like two years ago we binge watched the entire Santa Claus trilogy. Tim Allen's great. The first two are legit. Yeah, those are good movies. I know. Third one, Martin Short, Jack Frost. He's Jack Frost. Yeah, terrible, yeah. <clears throat> horrible. But the first two, those are legit Christmas movies. Tim Allen. There was a reason why he was such a megastar in the '90s because he's funny as shit. Right. Galaxy Quest. Brilliant. Galaxy Quest is amazing. Um, uh, there's a animated movie called The Snowman. Came out in, I think it came. It came out in like '83. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's British. Mm -hmm. And it's it's all animated. The animation looks like it's all done. All the cells were done with colored pencil. And I saw it years ago. As a kid, and I still watch it every year. I have it, I have it on DVD. Yeah, it's based on it's based on a novel. How the fuck did that novel come out? Uh, it, yeah, it's a Norwegian novel. I don't know why I can't fucking find this now. But the the film adaptation is was was British. Anyhow, mm -hmm. it's really it was on Sprout. Um, my mom called. She was like, "Hey, Snowman's on," so I wound up watching it. What this Sprout? Year. Sprout's like a kids, a kids channel. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck! I can't fucking find the this thing. I feel like I I just looked it up. Oh, oh here it is. The Snowman, uh, directed by Diane Jackson, written by the Ray, written by Raymond Briggs, mm -hmm. who did the book. Uh, it came out in. 1982 and um, there's a song in it called Walking in the Air and I'm sure if you heard it you'd know exactly what it is it's a huge hugely popular song back then but not not like top 40 song um, but yeah it's, it's only an hour long it's it's about this boy who snowman comes to life and they fly all over the globe they go to the snowman village and, and meet Santa and it's just a really neat story um and that's something that I've taken from my childhood all the way up until now that I still try to watch every year. But, like, I thought then that it was this big thing. Of course, everyone knows what Everybody Snowman is. Everybody knows Snowman. But now, people are like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? In that same vein, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas would mm. probably be a similar mm. thing. Although more people know that because it's Jim Henson, Muppets, things like that. You know. Kermit the Frog's in that thing. So people remember that, and that's a film from my childhood that I carry along, and I try to watch as much as I can every year. I've never... Oh, I, I'm sure I've seen that at some point, but I yeah. don't remember anything about it. I see pictures of it. Yeah. And it doesn't... It doesn't elicit any kind of nostalgia in me or any kind of memory. Great songs. Uh... The fucking villainous band, I think the the, the river the river bottom nightmare band, I think is the name of those dudes. They're such fucking pricks. I love those guys. Yeah, I um, 
as I, I I must have seen it. It came out in '78, so I must have seen it when I was a kid. But I have no recollection of this thing. And people bring it up every year. Yeah. I'm sure it's great. It's Jim Henson, Muppets. Who doesn't love Jim Henson and the Muppets? Everybody does. You are a Nazi if you don't. I got, uh, for Christmas, I got Jim Henson's Tale of Sand, I guess, before he... Is that a book? It's a comic book. It's a graphic novel. Before he did Sesame Street or The Muppets or anything like that, he was looking t for different creative outlets, wrote a script. And it was supposed to be a film. And later on, they dug the script up and had an illustrator uh, you know, illustrate this, this book. Not a lot of words to it. It's very visual kind of thing. So I could see why it never really gained traction or got picked up as a film. Re interesting book about this uh, this guy taking a... He has to travel and get this key through the, the city of sand. Um, it's kind of interesting. Real quick, quick read because there's almost no dialogue. But it's something that... Uh, I, I know that this past year got a lot of... Uh, accolades for graphic novel of the year. So Jim oh, Henson's really? Tale of Sand. Huh. Did you read it yet? Yeah, I did. It was real quick, like I said, no dialogue. Would so. you like to bring it over? I shall. It's actually a physical book that I can hand to you. Oh, nice. I know, right? This year I bought a lot of things online, and that's just that's just the way that I, I've been reading things through Comixology or the Marvel Unlimited app. So, yeah, this was something that I got as a gift. I'll bring it over and let you check it out. Have you seen anything about George Lucas's Strange Magic? I haven't. Movie? No, I haven't seen anything like uh, about that. What what's going on with that? I don't know anything about it other than it's a it seems it's a <laughs> magical CG movie. But I've seen a couple trailers and I'm like, "All right, it looks looks okay." But it reminds me of uh, Guardians of the Christmas Guardians movie? Yeah, you know, Guardians yeah. of Guahul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. The CG, it's about like a bunch of owl, owls or birds or something. Right. That one? Yeah, that was, okay. that's Guardians of Guahul. Okay. There's another was, Guardians movie? There is. It's they don't guard the galaxy. Called the Garden. They do not guard the galaxy. Okay. It's about Sandman, Tooth Fairy, uh, Santa Claus, even though they never call him Santa in the movie. Okay. Um, and... Jack Frost. You don't know what I'm you told, about? Yeah, you told me about this, and you said it was really good, but I've never seen this movie before. Yeah, it, the the problem with... Like, I, I didn't see this movie when it was in theaters. I waited till it was it was on TV, and I, wa I watched it. But all the designs for the characters looked mean. Yeah. Like, Jack, the design for Jack Frost looked like Gerard Way from the... <laughs> Black Parade videos. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he was voiced by Chris Pine, which was... Kind of, like, it was, a, it was a cool movie, but, like, he looks like Gerard... The character looks like Gerard Way, but he's voiced by Chris Pine, who has a deeper voice, so he has this deep voice for this kid that looks like he's 14. Yeah. It was really, really goofy. They should have just got Gerard Way to do the voice. Oh, I wish I... Oh, Rise of the Guardians. Rise of the Guardians. Oh, and uh, every, everyone's favorite Tom Hiddleston I guess Pitch, as in Pitch Black, the, the bad guy of that movie. Rise uh, of the Guardians, that's right. Loki, yeah, that this, gray area character. This strange magic movie looks kind of like, it looks like Rise of the Guardians, where it doesn't look entirely 
kid-friendly because you look at something like Big Hero 6 mm -hmm. and everything is like round and bright safe edges and it's bright but even the robots made out of like gummy bears or something yeah. like that but Rise of the Guardians in this strange magic movie everything looks a little it looks a little darker it looks like it has a little, somewhat of an edge to it you're gonna cut yourself if you enjoy this movie <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of interested to, to check it out when does that come out? Does that come out next year? Um, I would imagine since it doesn't come out today. <laughs> uh, uh, 2015. Uh, release date January 23rd. Yeah, like it, it look and it looks like the reason I bring it up is it reminds me of something like the Dark Crystal. It's not. It doesn't have. It's something totally separate. It's not. And same with Rise of the Guardians. It's not Disney related. So it doesn't have that classic Disney design to it. It's something totally separate. You're not going to see Rise of the Guardians toys in Toys R Us or anything like that. It's its, its own property. Uh, back in the 80s, it feels like they used to do that stuff more often because everything wasn't interconnected and everything wasn't... Well, everything some big... wasn't monopolized by Disney. Yeah, it like... wasn't some big marketing push. You could have something like The Secret of Nim that came out from uh, Don Bluth Studios, I yeah, believe. Yeah, something like American Tale, which was also Don Bluth, yeah. I think. Yeah, you're right. Totally it, separate from Disney. Kind of looked like Disney, but but wasn't. Yeah, All Dogs Go to Heaven, I think, was also... There were there more options available in, in The Secret of Nim, and I, the, the Last Unicorn was another animated... Oh, I forgot about The Last Unicorn. It was another animated movie that had that dark feel to it and it wasn't it was it was a cartoon but it wasn't necessarily only for children and i feel like we've gotten away from all of that doesn't seem like there's a lot of those kind of properties out there anymore well toy story which seems to be over yeah i mean even, do, you, do you think i mean toy story is a pixar disney deal yeah but if we're just talking about properties that are for kids and for adults mm-hmm that really walk that line even yeah. something like toy story like i don't like yeah it walks the line we can watch toy story and pick yeah. up on stuff but it's not it's a it's a kid's movie yeah so yeah like i don't think there are what was there are that? a lot of other options right now what was that that um that animated film it was a while ago. It was like nine or something oh, like that. Oh, nine was fucking awesome. Yeah, right. I think nine was Tim Burton. Yeah, Elijah Wood was the. Um, and that wasn't that was. Yeah, Elijah Wood was the main the main character. And that was one that was kind of dark looking and a little ominous and didn't. Oh yeah, it wasn't. Have, it wasn't Tim Burton. It was directed by Shane Acker. Didn't have the shine of all those Disney films, and I don't know if it was successful. And nine was pretty dark. Um, because there were, I guess, I, 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 the IMDb uh, synopsis is, a ragdoll that awakens in a post-apocalyptic future Holy holds, shit. holds the key to humanity's salvation. I mean, that sounds awesome. And I, from what I remember, they created nine of these ragdolls, but nine was the one that was fully competent and sentient. And like, but they kill some of the other ones in this movie, and it's kind of brutal when they do it. And they're only ragdolls, and yeah, you know, you can cut off a battle droid's head, and it doesn't matter, he's a robot. But you get attached to some of these characters because they are so human. But yeah, even Nine the, was really fucking good. Even the poster is really ominous and dark looking. It's, and this is a 2009 
property. It Not seems that like long these. Ago. It seems like these things are. They're so few and far between. And maybe, maybe they were like that back in the eighties as well. But it's uh, it's it's a little disappointing to to not see as many as we. Well, did you see Coraline? I didn't. I know of it, but I Coraline didn't see is fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Coraline's great. Yeah, it's so good. But yeah, Coraline's one that's pretty messed up because the main girl goes, she finds this 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 other other dimension, mm-hmm. which is seemingly perfect for her. It's better than the world she's come from. But like in that world they will cut out her eyes and stitch buttons over where they used to be. And, like, at first I'm watching it, I'm like, all right, well, this is just some, you know, they're they're not really going to do that. But, yeah, at some point, uh, Terry Hatcher plays the the mom with the button eyes, and she says says essentially that we're going to take out your eyes and stitch buttons over them. And you're like, holy fuck. Oh, boy, I'm looking at a... I'm looking at the uh, a picture of the button eyes in that. And that's some really extremely disturbing stuff. And bringing it back to comic books, it's a Coraline was originally written by Neil Gaiman. Ah, yes. Yeah, so I think he had in writing um, writing the movie. But yeah, it's a it's a really cool movie, and it's it's all stop motion and really really well done. I guess they recently did. The Box Trolls, which is a stop motion mm-hmm. animation film. That wait, they redid it? No, no, they did. They made it, which you know, stop motion. Not necessarily. It's a bunch of trolls that live in yeah. garbage and eat garbage. So not really the shiny Disney property. So I guess that <laughs> is that a was that a Disney movie? No, 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 no. It wasn't. I think it's DreamWorks or something like that. But it's just an example of something else that's out there. That I guess maybe there are more of these things out there when you really dig into it and look at it. There are more of this stuff out there, and that that was something that happened this year in 2014. Um, I know whenever I went out to Comic Con in San Diego this July, the Box Trolls had a uh, um, one of those taco trucks. They had a, a stand, and they were cooking up food that the box trolls would eat. And well, that was that was March. No, 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 no. Box trolls was no San Diego Comic Con was March, right? No, that was in July. Oh, uh, all right. So because box trolls came out in September, I was like, oh my god, they were promoting that way early. No, no, it was in July. So they had uh, the the food truck, and they would make disgusting things like grasshopper and you know all but, but, but different was kinds really? of no it was really grasshopper i was there dude it was <laughs> disgusting it was fucking terrible stuff they're making crickets and and roasting them and it was really nasty but i mean people the the thing is people in other countries eat that stuff so it's not going to kill you right um so that was you know comic-con happened this past july I happened to go out there and visit for my first Comic-Con. It was amazing to see how pop culture took over downtown San Diego. Every every store that you went into had something comic-related. Petco Park had Once Upon a Time, gigantic graphics all over it. The interior of Petco Park was a Walking Dead obstacle course with people you could sign up and become a zombie. There were so many cool things that you could do and see out at Comic-Con this year. And I, I, that was one of, if I had to say, favorite things that happened to me in 2014 Comic-Con, doing all the out, outside 
events that they had that you could do days worth of things as well as going in seeing Jim Lee host a panel it's pretty cool it um, I got to meet the guys from Penny Arcade as well as Frank Cho those that would be my favorite thing that happened to me in 2014 Paul did you have something that was your favorite thing that happened to you yeah I guess probably my favorite thing this year was reading the entire lock and key series I wanted to read it for a long time, written by Stephen King's son. Big Stephen King fan, so... you know. Does Stephen King's son have a name? Joe, just... Joe Hill. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. Um, so, yeah, it, it, they, had some, they had some credit uh, going in, but uh, I had put it off for a long time until a buddy at work had started getting the, the hardbacks they released, and... Holy shit, what a great series. Uh, you know, this is... There's a handful of series that I will go out and buy the entire hardback collection of. Preacher, Why the Last Man, which I just got the last hardback for Christmas. So cool. after I get through this laborious, complete tales of Edgar Allan Poe book, I'm going to get into Why the Last Man. I love your stamina to read things that you absolutely hate. I need to get the full scope, the full picture of what's happening. What's funny is on one hand, you do that, and you really do. To your credit, you will plow through some stuff. But then to undercut that, you'll just dismiss shit <laughs> left and right that you haven't seen. You think it has a stupid name, or that guy has an ugly face, or whatever the shit. So, like, you're, you're a mixed bag, sir. You don't know what you're going to get from me over here. That's true. I think you do yourself a disservice whenever you just, like, oh, that's fucking stupid. That seems well, like some dumb hipster bullshit. Usually usually, because it you're usually, usually it is hipster bullshit. <laughs> because you're way more fair with stuff than, than your persona gives you credit for. The Poe book so far has been... I don't want to call it... I don't want to call it a slog... I feel, I, I feel like they got the weird, boring shit out of the way first. Because the way the book's set up is this huge intro, which is like reading a fucking textbook mm -hmm. about how to write stories and how to write poetry and blah, blah, blah. Not even by him. It's a forward. Right. It's the forward uh, introduction. I skip right over that bullshit. But even getting into the first couple stories, oh my god, the first two stories, don't don't read them. <laughs> there, uh, the the wondrous adventure of Hans Fall is the first one. Yeah. I I forget what the second the second story in the book's called, but they they both get into it's less about what's happening to these people than it is about the math that's involved in how to get a hot air balloon from the Earth to the Moon, or how to get a how how to get a zeppelin from England to the United States. And there's all this fucking technical shit like, well, how much thrust is this hot air gun, her hot air balloon going to need to break the atmosphere and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, holy fucking shit, just tell me about fucking murders and stuff, isn't that? Where Where's does the, the raven, raven come in? It's <laughs> <laughs> the raven. Fuck <laughs> <Bought> the zeppelin. <laughs> but the that, first. That sounds boring as all 
the first Fuck. couple stories are they're they're so rough, and then the other ones get the other ones are are, are, are are a lot more interesting so far. I haven't gotten to any of the big fan favorites. I haven't gotten to Telltale Heart or Pit in the Pendulum or The Raven or any of that stuff yet. But there's one called The Gold Bug, which is about this guy that it looks like he gets bit by this gold beetle and he goes crazy, but really he puts all this he puts all these clues together in his head to find this buried treasure and it's really it's it's well written the way like you think this guy's nuts up until the end where he's like oh no i know what i'm doing this entire time right and then you're like oh fuck well that's cool but they all so far they all there's they all feel like they tell the story about just what happened with no resolution hmm it would be it's it's like I guess to an extent it it would be like Luke saying Luke Skywalker, not Luke. I knew not you, Luke Perry. Just <laughs> <laughs> talking about like well we're gonna go to the Peach Pit later on. <laughs> it would be like Luke Skywalker narrating the story and then he's like, then we blew up the Death Star at the end. And then that's it. And it's like these these first so many post stories are just about this really compressed period of time where all the action happens and then it's done. I woke up this morning to get a protocol droid and a few years later the Death Star exploded. <clears throat> done. Well that's part that's part of the weird thing about these stories, because the introduction would take you through all of what a protocol droid what a protocol droid does, how it's constructed. How it's built, how they get the programming to learn all these languages, why they need it for moisture evaporators. And Your then, dad built this thing on this through, same planet years ago. He goes through all this stuff to like build up who, why Luke is who Luke is. Mm-hmm. Like all of he's been through. Then it's like, and then we got to the Death Star and then we blew it up the end. And I'm like, I didn't need all that. I just needed this end part. But the end parts have been really interesting. You just need to get through some of the boring shit at the beginning before you get to the good part. So Lock and Key, great fucking story. I will recommend Lock and Key, not, not like that at all. No, no, not like that at all. Not written not by <laughs> not written by Poe, written by Joe Hill. So good. And it's it's the kind of story <clears throat> I love. It's the the world building and they, they build this whole mythology around all these keys. And there's a billion keys in that book that they don't even touch on. Like you get the sense when you read the whole series that there's tons of other keys all hidden around this house that this bit of the story never never even touches on because at the at the end they they give you each book ends or at least each graphic novel ended with an explanation of what the keys do and this key will you unlock it it'll unlock somebody's head and you can pull thoughts out of their head or see their darkest fears or this key will make a giant or this key will if you walk through this door your spirit will leave your body and it explains some of those keys but yeah i agree you do get the feeling like there are there are millions of keys out there and you can do anything with these keys yeah and, and yeah the end of each each book is like a journal from the 1800s of you know the first lock that started to create all, all these keys and they tell you what each one does, but the mythology is so so widespread. And I feel like there's even 
like keys pop up or names of keys either pop up in the story or in those journals that you don't see in either in in one of the other two i agree it's just it's a such a well done story and it, it reminds me of harry potter in the way that when i look at it when i think about going the you know the process of writing this story like you have to have all this stuff planned out like i feel like i would need like four whiteboards being like, all right, if I'm doing this over here, I need to put this, I need to set this up way in the beginning. And like just all these interconnecting parts and all this like, all this clockwork throughout, throughout all the books and they just work so well with each other. Because there's such payoff at the end of the, the book from the things that happened in the first two novels. You get some, some, some payoff on, on the things that you know about these keys and I don't know. I'd love to pick the author's brain. I'd love to pick Joe Hill's brain and say, is that how you always meant these things to happen? You always knew that you were going to use these keys in these certain ways? Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure he probably just came up and said, nah, man, like I was writing it and it just kind of fell that way. And that's, yeah, that's and how there's, it Yeah, there's like the Harry Potter series, there's the smaller moments where, you know, you're introduced to... Um, you're you're introduced to the mirror of Erised in the first movie, and then you see how that pays out in that movie. You're introduced to um, you know like the Chamber of Secrets and the Tom Riddle's Diary, and you see how that pays out in that movie. And then there's the longer-reaching stuff like when Harry Potter eats the snitch in the first book, it pays out in the last book. And, you know, stuff like through the entire series, everyone's like, oh, you have eyes like your mother. Your eyes look like your mother's. And it pays off in the last book. Yeah. So there's this little stuff and there's this overarching stuff that's just really fucking intricate. And that's the kind of storytelling that I love. So I guess, you know, the best new thing that I've read this year has been um, has been Lock and Key. Also shout out to uh, the illustrator, Gabriel Rodriguez, that did a masterful job of telling this tale at some points in this book like just the regular art style is great but there are some points where the art style changes i know there's a whole calvin and hobbs inspired um, section of the book just really really good storytelling from an illustrative end so you know really great story i enjoyed that as well so that would definitely be something that I would put on my list as one of the best books of, um, or best series of 2014. I don't even know if that wrapped up in 2014. It, it, it wrapped up in 13, but I didn't read the, I read the entire thing this year. I think it was the beginning of 2014 that the final book came out. So would you, would the Alpha and the Omega was the last yeah. one that I got. I think that came out in maybe January or February, somewhere around there. Would you say Guardians of the Galaxy was your favorite movie of the year? I would, yeah, yeah. Guardians was my favorite movie of of the year. I've only seen it once though. Um, I now own it on uh, Blu-ray. I I can't wait to go back and watch it again. I I'd say X Men was probably a close second. I had a really good time with X Men. Yeah, I I would like I'd like to see Winter Soldier again. I think the top three hands down were Winter Soldier. Guardians of the Galaxy, X-Men, in no particular order. Mm-hmm. I think Guardians, for me, was also probably number one. And then I, I, I want to see Cap again because I, f- I feel like Cap's probably a better movie, but I want to see X-Men more. And I had I had a ton of fun with Guardians. I had a lot of fun with X-Men. 
X-Men felt like maybe some of it was the nostalgia of revisiting the characters from the older X-Men movies. In my eyes as a fan who didn't like the third movie, writing some of the wrongs that that took place in that film and and putting this franchise and this group of characters that I love because I'm a big X-Men fan on a good track so that the next film that we see has the momentum of First Class and Days of Future Past. I... I'm really excited to see where X-Men goes from here. <laughs> Captain America as well. Like you said, probably a better film. Uh, really twisted into the spy genre. It's kind of felt like a political you know, thriller, more so than a superhero film at yeah. some points. And I don't know what they're going to do with the third film. It seems like big things they announced that they're going to have a whole cast of characters in the next Captain America movie. Almost like a Avengers 2.5. Avengers yeah. Yeah. So if if Guardians was your favorite, what was the biggest letdown of this year? Biggest letdown of this year was making the bet with Matt <laughs> for $100 that Godzilla would not make over $9 million in its opening weekend. I think it made like $90 million. So I really, really, really lost that bet. Very surprised at my lack of knowledge of how the box office works. But so. now we know. Now we know. I'll never make that bet again. We know not to make bets. And we have a better understanding of how the box office works. Correct. Correct. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it surprised me that Godzilla made that much money. Probably the biggest disappointment was The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think that we went in really excited and thought that it was going to be a... St- I know you and I enjoyed the first Amazing Spider-Man film. While this movie had a lot of high points, a lot of stuff that I can still point to now after seeing the whole film and say, this, this was great. There were a lot of things that really, really fucking sucked. They were really bad. Green Goblin was awful. I, I hated. I personally didn't like Dane DeHaan at any point when he was on the screen. I know you disagree. I liked him as Harry. Yeah. A lot. And I could see that more so over the Green Goblin stuff. Um, just didn't like a lot of the way that they handled Electro was done really bumbling. It was it was real terrible. Yeah, Electro was really, really corny. I, I, I think you could have dumped Electro in one of the... Um, one of the Joel Schumacher Batman movies and he had to fit right in. Yeah. He was really cheesy. However, the the Spider-Man stuff, the way that they changed the costume, just simply the way that Andrew Garfield handled being Spider-Man, the humor that he brought to it, I thought he was the best Spider-Man that we've ever seen. Um, <clears throat> the Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy, really, really charming, really an endearing character. Um, that I'd like to see again, even though it doesn't look like we will be seeing her doesn't again. Look like it doesn't. Spoiler. As far as as far as most disappointing movies go, it's a tie between Amazing Spider-Man Two mm-hmm. and Mockingjay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've heard. This isn't a surprise. I, I hear. I feel like they saved a lot of the good stuff for the second part of that. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely feels like. Part, it, it feels like part one of part two. And all of the stuff that you loved about the first two movies doesn't happen <laughs> in this movie. It's it's nothing but... I feel like it's nothing but Jennifer Lawrence crying for two hours. Yeah. It's just all set up. And if you're a fan of the books, 
I haven't read the books, but I assume if you're a fan of the books, you are all in for their fleshing out the entire story. They're making things happen. They're giving you all this detail, and it's great. But as far as just watching the books, or watching the books, as far as just watching the movies goes, um, it was a super letdown. As far as Mockingjay goes, just kind of a bummer because I loved, I loved the second one. And mm-hmm. The sec- second one was great, and then Mockingjay comes out, and it's, it's not even the Empire Strikes Back. Cause yeah. Shit happens in Empire Strikes Back, but this one's just like I'm fucking moopy and sad because the first two movies, Katniss is like, "Fuck you, I'm gonna fuck your day up." Do you feel like they're stretching it out to have two more movies and yes. get that, you know, extra ninety million dollar bump? I feel- and again, not having read the books, this is full speculation on my part. But I feel like they sat down and they were like, "We could probably squeeze this into one movie." And someone was like, "But we could make more if you stretched it into two. And they were like, "Well, I guess we could, but eh, all right, let's just do it. This seems like it's a new development after Harry Potter did that. With their final, the the Deathly Hollows, yeah. they split that in half. Did you feel like they needed to do that there, or was that also a cash grab? I'm, well, I'm coming from a different perspective. Because you read the books. Because I read yeah. the books. So, but I feel like it's a way bigger book, and there's a lot more. There's a lot more going on. And yeah. There's kind of a a front half and a second half to that. Uh, the first half of Deathly Hollows didn't feel like. They were, it didn't feel like the prologue for the last half. But maybe if I go back and watch it again, I'm like, holy fuck, did they stretch this out for more money? But yeah, Mockingjay and Amazing Spider-Man 2 was such a bummer. Like, coming off, I liked the first one, and I thought they could only go up from there. I thought, you know, uh, Jamie Foxx is a great actor. He and really is. I thought, he's going to hook this up. I felt like they gave him nothing to do in that or maybe not nothing they gave him old dated material to do like you mentioned Schumacher Batman villain stuff that's exactly how he felt yeah before before he was Electro he was Otis from Superman series bad comb over just bumbling super cartoony and I didn't think that was the direction these movies were going and then they feed us Electro and I was like holy fuck this is Awful. Amazing Spider-Man 2, wow. It made some money at the box office. Any movie would be proud of it. It wasn't the big hit that Guardians or the X-Men film or, or Captain America was. And it let the people that Sony that produced this movie down so much that I don't know if you're hip to any of the Sony uh, the leaks from any of their yeah. emails you know mm-hmm. about that. They did leak some information about Sony maybe lending the uh, the Spider-Man out to Marvel Studios. So there was a rumor about that back in October, November that we all kind of dismissed. That's never going to happen. But there were some legs to that. That was something that they're thinking about doing. And even still, now that all this information's out there, they might do that. They might lend Spider-Man to Marvel Studios. I feel like once you do that, you can't put the cat back in the bag. Like, once he's part of that universe, he's part of that universe. Then you can't have a Spider-Man movie without an appearance from Thor or Cap 
or even Falcon or someone else. Marvel will go out of its way to make Spider-Man the hit breakout star of whatever movie that he plays a cameo in. Uh, he'll be the biggest thing just so that they can maybe have a claim but I think figure out a way still to bring be him Andrew back. Garfield. Well, they're, I, I think that they're going to move on from that for right or for wrong. I enjoyed Andrew Garfield. I thought he was a good <laughs> Spider-Man. His Peter Parker was pretty cool. A little too cool. <laughs> but I still enjoyed him. Like I still would like to see more movies with him as Spider-Man. And it doesn't seem like we're going to get that if Marvel Studios gets a hold of that property. Which I think, at some point, man, Spider-Man's going to be swinging through Avengers Tower. I really think that that's the way it's going. Do you think they need to give it a, give it a rest for a little bit? Uh, Maybe put them on the shelf for a couple years. And by how long? How long is a couple years, years, I mean, years though? Like yeah. a couple years until we start hearing rumors about. Like we don't hear rumors about a new Spider-Man movie till 2016. Yeah. Ah oh, man. Um, I don't know if Sony can hold off that long though. So. I, I probably think, because the the license will revert back if they don't. So they need to get right, on. Right. So they and have do to. With that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that it's just it's ruining, almost, the, it's ruining the character. I almost would be cool seeing Spider Man next year and Captain America three when they do the Civil War. I would be fine with that. Um, I do want to see him be Peter Parker though. I know that there's a lot of talk of having him be Miles Morales. I, I don't want to see that. I want to see Peter Parker as Spider Man on the silver screen. I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna do that. I'm not even confident that by the time we get the third Thor movie, that we're going to have a male Thor. I mean, we might have the female Thor fully entrenched at that point. Well, maybe Thor dies in Avengers two. Yeah, I, I think that that's what we're gonna see at some point. We're gonna see, and and that's another point that I wanted to touch but, on. You know is, what? This is but this is probably a good point for Marvel Comics to introduce female Thor so that by the time Thor 3 comes out they have they can say look what we've done we've given you female Thor all this time but the prophecy <laughs> has come true we are, we are progressive but we're gonna go back to regular Thor now that's how that I mean that's what they introduced Falcon as Captain America in the comics this year diversity was a major point in all of comics in Marvel, I think that you are going to see in its movies, it's going to reflect that. After Captain America 3, Chris Evans' contract runs out, or he has like one more film left. If he has one more film left, I think they're... My my theory is that they're, they will kill him in Captain America 3. Yeah. Falcon takes so. over. If he has one more film left in that contract, you bring him back for Infinity Gauntlet, one of those films as a catalyst to as the as the the battle looks its gloomiest and its how darkest. Do you bring him, how do you bring him back though? Well I mean you have infinity gems dude. Like yeah, you can do anything. I guess. I mean you can jump through dimensions or guess, yeah. the soul gem. I, I don't know what that, that does. Already I think the soul that. gem just gives you an afro and an awesome <laughs> collared shirt though. And you can oh. dance the disco for days. The soul gem Turns you into Iron Fist. Or Power Man. Power Man. Power Man. Power Man. Power Man. Circa 1970. Not new Luke Cage. Power Man. The Soy Gem turns you into Iron Fist. <laughs> the Soy Gem. Oh. General Sal Gem turns you into Iron Fist. I want to get, like, what's the gem that turns you into Electra and you can go get gyros? That's a gyro gem. <laughs> 
called the Stamos, Jeb. <laughs> Straight up Greek god. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that was diversity was something that all comic books were pushing. We have Kamala Khan. We have Black Captain America. We have female Thor over in the Marvel Universe. In the DC Universe, we had some other things happen this year. What kind of things were those, Paul? I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Didn't there as some as diverse... The goes? Yeah, I, yeah, wasn't there some diverse shit that happened? Well, like... <clears throat> DC's always had diverse characters, and they're just, they just push them more to the front. Like, we've seen more Stephanie Brown this year. We've seen a lot of... Uh, Kathy Kane, Harper Batman Rowe introduced Harper Rowe, Colin Rowe, both um, both gay characters. Uh, I don't think they brought In, Renee Montoya back yet, which shocks me. It seems like that's a layup. That's somebody that was already established, fan favorite, a yeah. really cool character that could have a prominent spot in the DC universe. Um, well, I mean, with with DC. I'm trying to think some of the things that they did this year. I know that upcoming, they're doing Convergence. Oh, they made but... Iris West black on The Flash? Oh, yeah, TV, TV stuff. D DC's big, big hit this year was what it did on television. Yeah, DC's TV slate, I mean, they just rolled it out. And all of it's been pretty good. I mean, they haven't had any... You know, the weakest link has been Constantine. And even so, that's a watchable TV show. Yeah, and I, I really like it. Like, as the more it goes on, like any show, it finds itself, it, it finds its own legs, but Constantine's had had a harder pickup than Gotham or Flash. I mean, F most people know who the Flash is. I believe we agreed he's a B-list character at worst. At some point this year, I think that we did agree that. So, most people know who the Flash is. Uh, everyone knows Gotham City and Jim Gordon and the denizens of that locale. Uh, but Constantine had a harder road to hoe. No one knows who the fuck John Constantine is. Um, anyone who does know who he is is probably like, expecting to see Keanu Reeves. So, But it did have an added advantage to being, at least I think it's an advantage, to being a supernatural horror show, which is a big deal now. People can gravitate to that with the you know horror stuff. The Walking Dead is extremely popular. Supernatural, an extremely popular show with a rabid following. So it had that in its corner. Yeah. Like, hey, come check this show out. It's like these other things that you might like. Matt Ryan, the lead actor, fucking great, man. I love him. He's really good as Constantine. When we talk about most accurately realized comic to live action versions of characters Matt Ryan will always be at the top of my list he is John Constantine stepped off the page he looks like him he sounds like him he acts like him you know it's Matt Ryan and Christopher Reeve Superman like those are the guys that embody who those who those characters are in live action now there's been talk that they didn't they weren't going to add additional shows to the slate of this year for Constantine. And they, they haven't said that they're going to cancel it, but it, things aren't looking good for Constantine. However, The Flash seems like that's been 
one that's been a pretty big hit with yeah. with critics, with viewers, and the ratings. Um, and for me, that's my favorite show so far out of these new comic book properties. That being said, go check out Constantine. DVR it when it's on. Check it out. Go watch it because it is a good show. If you haven't seen Constantine, please check it out. If you've seen it and you don't like it, let me know. Hit us up on Facebook, on Twitter. Let us know why you don't like Constantine. And I will prove you wrong instantaneously. We always like our fe our feedback from our fans, and we like to prove them wrong even more. So, uh, but yeah, Flash. I mean, Flash took off right away, and I think it's because we're in this we're in this golden age of superhero shit, and people want to hear superheroes. Mm -hmm. Arrow's great. Everyone seems to love Arrow, mm -hmm. and yeah, Arrow's a superhero, but he's kind of low level. But everyone's stroking themselves over Iron Man and Thor and all these big screen superheroes. And everyone's like, eh, I guess S.H.I.E.L.D.'s okay. Because there's no fucking superheroes on it. But Flash is like, you want a superhero? We'll give you an instantly recognizable superhero. Doing superhero things in his superhero costume right out of the gate. And I think that's why Flash has got off to such a great rating. And Flash is huge for CW. Whereas Arrow had to, whenever it came out, it had to tiptoe around its superhero roots, even to the point where he couldn't be the green Arrow. Flash yeah. is like, this is a superhero property. I'm in a superhero outfit. This is my logo, and let's do this thing. I, and that is, we're at the point now where we can do that on TV, and people will respond to it and tune in, be big fans. I, I I think Grant Gustin is a is is a major reason why this show works because man he's he's, really good. he's just Barry Allen. He's just he he takes all the good things that you want from that type of character, uh, Peter Parker kind of analog of a character, yeah. and just transfers them. I had a lot of reservations about him being a leading man and carrying a show. All those are put to rest after seeing you know the first couple episodes of this show. So yeah. After only knowing him as a bad guy on Glee. Ooh, the deep cut. <laughs> I was like, oh. I don't. I was like, this guy? This is who we're going to get? Yeah. But yeah, he's been he's been really good. And that's been a lot of the fun of of The Flash is like, you know, Arrow, Arrow has the dark, broody market corner. They have that down. But, you know, right out of the gate, Arrow was a hit with fans. Mm -hmm. Arrow was a hit with comic fans. But it took a little bit to gain the mainstream general audience. Flash was right out of the gate, and I think it has, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's related to the Marvel movies a little bit. It's it's fun. It's more lighthearted. You get superheroes right there. There it is, big superhero. And Shield's been pretty cool this year. Yeah. But it's not something that I'm. Clamoring to watch every week. I can't. I'll catch it on demand. It's tough, I'll man. Catch up to it. I never. Shield lost me in the first two episodes, and I know everybody said it gets better. Come back, tune in, please, baby, baby, have me back. But <laughs> I can't do it, man. It's the. It's not superhero TV. To what do me. you know about Mockingbird? Not much. Mockingbird is. I know she was with Clint Barton for a while. That's about all I know. I think she has superpowers. I couldn't tell you what they are. The only thing I know about her is that 
they killed her years ago, then they brought her back in Secret Invasion. And it was a big deal. And it was yeah. a big deal. Yeah. That's all I know about her. That's pretty much all I know about her as well. So. But I felt like this, for this season of S.H.I.E.L.D., they were like, oh, here we go, we're bringing Mockingbird on the show. And I'm like, all right, we're finally going to get into some superhero shit. And now I'm like, oh, well, she's just like anybody else that's been on the show. She's not she's not superhero at all. They've even dumbed down Deathlock, right? Where he's oh, not yeah. really, he's just a black guy with a plate in his head or something like yeah, that, right? Yeah, the, the only way he looks like Deathlock is if you see him through an x-ray screen. If you see him through... <laughs> The easiest way for us to do the CG on it that we possibly can exactly. do. It. And it ha- that said, it hasn't been bad. I enjoy it, but and I guess they're I guess they're gonna get into more more superhero things now because it looks like in the season the the mid season finale, which is fucking ridiculous, they get they introduce the Inhuman concept, which is cool. I don't know how they're gonna do any of that stuff, but. Having the the Tarian mist come and change your DNA, and now you have superpowers. That's a good, easy way to have characters on that show have superpowers and not be recognizable superhero. Like they don't have to have yeah. any real superhero characters on. It's almost like the Kryptonite hitting Smallville, and then you can have your you can explain away your freak of the week, you know, bad guy of the week kind of thing. According to the wiki page. Mockingbird has no superpowers. Oh, of course she doesn't. Of course she doesn't. That's why they brought her on that show. Super easy to handle. So that's that's what's been happening with television. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good things. I'd say that this is the biggest year of TV, superhero TV, that we've seen. Yeah, and uh, in the coming second half, we're going to get iZombie. When is that coming out? It's like impossible to find a start date for that. Yeah, it's a CW property. Sure DC Vertigo. Mike Allred was the illustrator of the iZombie. I read that last year. It was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it, and I'm I'm interested in the show. I know that the they this year they did uh, AMC commissioned and greenlit a pilot from Seth Rogen. And his writing partner to go ahead and write the Preacher. Um, Preacher, DC Vertigo title from the mid 90s, Garth Ennis, Steve Dillon. Uh, Paul, and when we mentioned it earlier, Paul and myself, big fans of Preacher. So Yeah, I have, I have pretty big hopes for Preacher. I, I know there's a lot of reservation because it's Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. That sounds right. Um, and they're, you know, they're the comedy guys. But there's... I think they're fans enough of this project. And I, th- I believe they are capable of shifting gears. You know, it's not going to be pot jokes every week. I think they're capable of shifting gears and doing something serious. And it's something that they probably want to do after just cranking out fucking silly comedies all the time. I'm interested in... in a fan that loves this material and and worked for years and years and years to try to bring it to the screen being responsible for it and being as faithful as they possibly can Preacher has some funny moments in it I mean they're yeah. dark funny yeah. moments Preacher's but... not without its comedy mm-hmm. 
So I think that maybe they can balance that stuff out. Now, I know that earlier in the year we talked about the pilot. It's going to be on AMC. Preacher is an extremely dark and controversial book. There is no way that you can do everything that that book has with its roots with religion, sex, all the over the top violence that they do. You can't do all that stuff on on television. You just can't unless you're on HBO. And I I, I still, I don't know if you're going to be able to do all that stuff. And I don't know if you're going to be faithful. I really want it to be good. I really hope that they can do some of the things that'll make it as true as you possibly can be. But I I don't have a ton of faith that it's going to be like that. In the face of Constantine, kind of, in my opinion, Constantine not having as much, um, as many teeth as I would like it to have on NBC. NBC is totally different than ABC or our AMC. AMC. And AMC can do a lot of different edgy stuff, but it's not going to be Game of Thrones. No. We're not going to have, you know. No, no, that's the biggest disappointment with that is that it, it didn't land on Showtime or HBO. That it is on AMC, because like as as controversial as Walking Dead can be, you could make Walking Dead on NBC, and it would still be the show. Because people aren't having a problem with you killing zombies, but you're going to be killing angels on on Preacher if you do. And there's it right. a lot of filthy sex stuff in Preacher that. You can't do on NBC or AMC. They go to an orgy that kids are getting molested at. That's like the crux of the story. Like, you can't do that stuff. The biggest, like, the biggest thing that you need to deal with on, with The Walking Dead is Negan and all of his bad language. Mm -hmm. All of the F-bombs he drops. But you can can get through 20 trades of The Walking Dead without encountering any of that. You could make, I contest you can make The Walking Dead on one of the four major networks and have the same show. I, don't I, know I might makes, agree with I that. I don't know what I'm, makes Walking Dead on AMC the the right place for it. Maybe maybe you don't I get think to see the, certain human characters get a bullet through their head. I think there's excessive gore that is on AMC's Walking Dead that you can't have on Fox's Walking Dead. But is that why you watch Walking Dead? That's not why I do, but I think that's a major drawing point to some of the audience who, who did who didn't who weren't fans of the property beforehand, but just came on because they want to see zombies slaughtered. Wasn't that the big sticking point to one of the seasons? There wasn't enough zombie killing. We didn't get to see any zombie killing. The show isn't about zombies. The Walking Dead aren't zombies. Stop it. Right. So, what about comic books? What are those? Did you enjoy any comic books in particular? Has a specific run of a book engaged you this year? Have you been super disappointed by something this year? What did 2014 comic books bring you? I would say that the the best comic book that I read this year, other than Lock and Key, which we touched on, was Sex Criminals. I thought that... Yeah, Sex Criminals was really good. Are you still getting that? Yeah, I still do get that. I get it digitally, so I can't lend it. But I do still download whenever they are available. Sex Criminals is a story of uh, two individuals who... 
for lack of a better way to explain this, when they come, time stops. And it's, it's the story of the two lovers finding each other, finding that they have this power together, and seeing what kind of things that they can do whenever you stop time. I'm sure everybody has imagined that time would stop whenever they jerk off. And this story focuses on that, as well as the fact that they're not alone in this universe where they can stop time. And there are sex police that will hunt them down and kind of make sure that they use their powers in a, in a right way, or actually stop using their powers and kind of retire from their sex criminal career. Uh, Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky, Zdarsky are on this book. Matt Fraction has a spotty record with me. Really good work on Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Everything, really bad work on everything else. Everything else I've hated. <laughs> sex criminals right in his wheelhouse. Really good. Really well written characters uh he, he does a real good job with the female lead in this book in writing from her viewpoint Susie, Susie, a librarian and john an actor yes writing from their viewpoints chip zadarsky pretty talented illustrator a lot of humor in this book as you would imagine yeah from yeah. the subject matter i know it sounds silly i know it brings people in when you see sex on the title of a comic book and you want to check it out but if i had to recommend something i would recommend sex criminals check out the first volume it's a really engaging read the the problem i, I haven't read sex, sex criminals but the problem i've had with it is that it seems like I feel like these guys got together and were like, "How do we? What's what's the best title for a book that's immediately gonna?" What are the two itself? things that people love? They love crime and sex. And they landed on sex criminals, and then they just built a story around that. Like, like I, I don't know. It feels so contrived to me that it's just so. It's, it feels so blatant that this is why they did this. The covers are amazing. The covers are super cool. They're very graphic. They're very positive, negative space. I love all the covers, except the cover with Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky on it, where they're it, like an Olin Mills family photo. Very reminiscent of two of my friends sitting on Santa Claus's lap a few right. years ago. That so was, that how, was how fourteen years ago, son. Oh, we're so old. <laughs> so I think it's funny that you would dislike this because well, of, it was it was a variant cover, so it wasn't it wasn't one of the main covers, and it was a variant. And my I've I've softened to this cover since because. At first, I was like, these fucking guys, man. These fucking <laughs> arrogant pieces of shit. Much like you thought when you saw me and Brian on Santa's lap. You were like, these fucks. Touche, sir. Touche. But I've, I've seen the cover since, and I've, I've listened to interviews with Matt Fraction, and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of a funny cover. It, it, it was just a variant. I haven't read it. It still seems... It still seems like a silly plot. Little, little on the nose. Yeah, a little, little too on the nose. But I think you might I'm enjoy enjoying it. I think you might enjoy it. I would lend it to you. The second that you get 
the tablet. I'll send you over my login. You can log in. You can read all my comic books and have a fucking blast. Well, this old man is fighting progress. One of these days. One of these days, I will be all into it. Did you have a disappointing read this year? Jeez. Uh, I mean, you know, to be honest, the majority of Marvel and DC's offerings this year have been a oh, disappointment. The blanket. Blanket statement. The blanket main superhero titles. Man. Sucky. I know that Matt isn't here to pick up the mantle of indie comic books, but the stuff that I enjoyed this year... Things that you might have enjoyed, even Nailbiter, as I mentioned before, yeah. Sex Criminals, um, Witches, Witches, Low was another one, East and West, Saga, Saga, a whole host of different books that you're, you know, you'd have to go out of your way. It's not going to be your Spider Man's, your Batman's, your X Men. Bunches of books that that you know didn't get as much pub as maybe those other those other books did, but yeah, everything from DC and and Marvel that came out, there there wasn't a lot that I really could hold on to and hold up and be like, this was awesome. You know, the closest thing might be the uh, the Spider Man Spider Verse crossover has been entertaining. I can't say that it's awesome. I wouldn't really recommend it to anybody who doesn't already love Spider Man. Um, I would recommend Sex Criminals to people. I would recommend um, Trillium from Jeff Lemire or Lemire. Oh, you you read that? I got yeah, I read it. It was it's actually pretty. He's not the greatest illustrator, okay? Oh no, he's terrible. <laughs> and he's he's the illustrator on this one. <laughs> Uh, it's about it's about in the future mankind there's only about 2,000 people left in the distant reaches of space they're looking for a cure to this uh, this this plague that's that's this disease that's infesting all of mankind and it's in these flowers that this alien race is guarding scientist breaks in to try to get a hold of these flowers she ingests one, has this trippy experience, and travels back in time to meet this other traveler that's looking for similar things in like World War One era style Amazon. See, this is this is the kind of high concept difference between Trillium and Sex Criminals. <laughs> Trillium is I have this wacky story I just gotta tell. Right. Sex Criminals is, like, we want to sell books. I want to tell a story about fucking and, <laughs> and stopping time. So, Trillium, sci-fi epic. Sex Criminals, boning and stopping time. Both very really enjoyable. Trillium, I also have that uh, as a physical book. I'll let you borrow that. Um, but like I said, um, Jeff Lemire, great writer. Not the best illustrator. Yeah, he's bad. He's he's on pencils it's, on this it's one. Drawing. It's not amazing it's, writer. It's not good. The story's pretty intriguing. Though so. all art is subjective. I also say Paul Pope is a terrible artist. People love Paul but Pope. But he is critically acclaimed. Mm -hmm. But I think he sticks a pencil in his butthole and just wiggles around and that's how he gets his art. It's fucking ugly. Was there something that let you down this year? Every every Superman book. Ah, the blanket year. statement. <laughs> let me down. Well, we had two we had two opportunities for good Superman this year. The first may have stretched into 2013, but we had Scott Snyder and Jim Lee, two big creators. 
Scott Snyder, essentially DC's golden boy writer right now. He's been writing Batman forever, critically acclaimed, fan acclaimed, everyone loves it. Jim Lee, Jim Lee, the artist artist. Need we say more? If you've listened to this many episodes, you know who Jim Lee is. They get together on Superman Unchained, and I'm like, finally, we're going to get a good Superman. No, we don't. It's long, and it's drawn out, and it's meandering, and it's more about things happening around Superman than it is about Superman. It finishes, and I'm, like, oh, I'm kind of glad this is over. So then DC says, okay, well, we screwed this superstar writer-superstar artist combo up. Let's do the same thing again. But we're going to give you, written by Jeff John, ah! the chief creative officer of DC, the guy responsible for overseeing Arrow and The Flash and, you know, every other kind of media, this guy makes sure it's DC-branded. And nine-year critically, critically acclaimed Green Lantern run from Jeff Johns. He's written Superman that's been loved. Your favorite Superman recently. That's correct. My favorite, drawn by Gary, uh, Gary, Gary Frank. Frank. He's also done two Batman Year One books. I'm sure the second one's going to be as great as the first one. Also drawn by Gary Frank. Superman he jumps on the main title, Superman, with John Romita Jr. Marvel God. He's drawn everything. Son of legendary artist John Romita. Well, it fucking sucks. It's garbage. His How art, did it go so his, wrong? Dude, his art is garbage, and I, I'm gonna. I'm going to open it up because Matt's not here to fucking argue with me about this. It's not as good. It really isn't. I don't... And you only have a certain amount of time as an artist to really hit your peak and to really nail your good years. Yeah, Neil Adams in the 70s. Holy fuck, could that dude draw like a champ. But if you look at his shit now, it's fucking messy. It's sloppy. And I feel like that's... John Romita Jr. is getting to that point now. There are weird panels. There are weird... The the way the bodies are constructed. There's like super long forearms in places. It's like dudes just get fucking lazy or something. Stuff... Yeah, like stuff that I'm not... I'm not used to seeing from him because he has been such a top-notch artist. But aside from the art being underwhelming in these Superman books... The story's just kind of boring. Another story about shit happening around Superman. And it not about Superman. It isn't the main story about a villain who's kind of just like Superman with all Superman's powers. Not and- even a villain. He's a gray area character. He's coming from another dimension to, to Earth. To, and he, he comes and he sells the people. He gets Superman's trust immediately. And then he's like, hey, I come from this Utopia, where I come I'm from Earth, and his story's like Superman's. He was born on Earth, but the scientists thought Earth only had so many years to live, so they ship him off to this other dimension. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out, oh, we fixed the problem, Earth is going to live forever. Well, he winds up coming back from this other dimension as an adult, after growing up like Superman did on this other world with other parents, and he's like, holy fuck, my real home and my real parents are still here. It's like, but... I've lived here forever, it's dying, I need to save it, so six billion people we're offering, you can come live in this utopia, but we're not going to tell you, you're the fuel for this world living. We need to kill you and take your energy to make this world happen. 
So then Superman sees this is going on. He's like, well, what the fuck? This can't... We can't have this. But it's more about this guy, Ulysses, the faux Superman, and his parents and his struggle between these worlds than it is about Superman. I mean, Superman's just there to tell Ulysses, this isn't right. You can't do this. I'm like, fuck, Jeff Johns. Write a Superman story. Write something about Superman. Two huge disappointments. 2014. Well, maybe in 2015, it looks like we have the Convergence event where we're going to handpick the best Superman out of all this mess, and maybe we'll get an awesome version of Superman. Maybe we'll put him back in his proper Superman uniform. Who knows? I'd like to think so. We're butting up against time right now, so I'd like to say He-Man this year. One of the He-Man, He-Man and Aquaman. Throughout the year, two of the best books I've read, if you're not for real, don't be scared because it's Aquaman and he's the guy that talks to fish and all that old school bullshit. We're talking new 2014 hotness. <laughs> I'm serious. That's for real. 2014 hotness on both of these books. If you didn't grow up as a, as a He-Man fan, fuck that. You don't need to be. They've taken all of the good stuff from the mythology from 19, the 80s up until now. And it's fucking good. Like, you can jump into this book and enjoy it. It's well-written. They're fleshing out the characters a little more. I'd like to see them get into who He-Man is a little bit more. Because it's been big events so far. But they've been really good, really enjoyable. And Aquaman is doing just that. They get into who Aquaman is. Jeff Johns kicked it off. But Jeff Parker has been writing it. It's so good. They get into who he is, why he is, who he is, his connection between the people of Atlantis and the people on Earth. They're tying in different shit like Gorilla City to having a connection with Atlantis. And it's just really cool, the world that Jeff Parker's building. It's been way better than I ever expected it to be. Two huge thumbs up for me in 2014. So in 2015, people should read Sex Criminals, He-Man... Aquaman, I, and, and Lock and Key. Lock those and are key. those are the official McSauce-sanctioned comic books to read in 2015. Get in touch with us on Twitter, on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Seriously. Comic book podcast. We like to hear about your thoughts on comic books. And we'd welcome any feedback that you have on our suggestions. I would like to, I would like to say what Matt would say if he were here, but I'm sure he would pick such obscure titles. I don't even know what they are. He would say an obscure title that he didn't read yet. <laughs> but I bought it, but I didn't read so it. So that's Matt's suggestion. We wish everyone a happy new year, a happy 2015. Go get them. Keep looking at McSauce in 2015. We're going to be at a bunch of different cons this year. Um, keep in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook. We're going to keep doing the same. Maybe try to branch out and have more of a media presence this year. We're That's what I want we're gonna, in 2015. We're going to churn up the media machine this year, and we're going to try to get out there. And you're part of the media machine, too. We've had some help with people getting their friends on Facebook to like us telling people in person. That's always a great way to do that. Anything that you can, you guys are part of us and we really appreciate 
any kind of publicity, any kind of love, any kind of feedback that you give us, or or tell your friends, tell your family. And that's, we really appreciate it. And that's no bullshit. We do really that's appreciate it because we are a grassroots outfit. We are a little unit here. We're not Sidney Crosby. We're not some big superstar. We're not LeBron James that doesn't really give a shit because he gets paid so much. We care about you and we will listen to you yell at us in person. We're we're looking at you, Teresa. Ian and I do this for ourselves. We will be doing this even if no one watched or listened. But we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for making 2014 a really successful year for us at McSauce. That's from Matt too. Matt really appreciates all the feedback. Um, you know, everyone's everyone's love for the podcast, for the comic strip. So uh, please come back. Thank you so much. And uh, that'll do it for 2014. Yeah, thank you for being with us for this past year. It's been our most successful year. And we're looking to do more next year. We're glad that you're riding along with us. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. See you next year.